Good morning, everyone. All right, let's get on up. The words of James Brown, right? Andy, I'm muted. Come alive, come alive. We call out today. 
on now. All right, church. And it will be my joy to say your will, your way. And it will be my joy to say that your will, your way. And it will be my joy to say that your will, that your way, always. Come on, Chris. Lead the congregation. Come on, guys. And it will be my joy to say Time. And it will be my joy. 
belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. Whoa, oh, oh. hand on my heart, this much is true. There's no life apart from you. Lay me down, lay me down. One more time. I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to you.
the greatest love of all is mine since you laid down your life the greatest sacrifice here today. Thank you just for your spirit and for your majesty. And God, just humble us right now. Just let us be humble. Let us humble ourselves in the sight of God. And the scripture says, and you will be lifted up. And so God, during this moment right now, just let us hear our humility right now as we worship you. And so God, whatever you have to bring to us today, may it be for your glory and your kingdom as we just bask in your presence. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody says, amen. All right, now it's time for our children, our Shoreline Sunday School ministry to go and to Sunday School. And anybody else, just say hi to somebody around you.
Okay. All right. So, all right, well, everybody else forgot him. You know that way. All right. How you doing? Good. I'm not going to do that. Hey, welcome thing. Hey, I already welcomed you once, so I'm not going to welcome you again. Um, if you came in late, you'll have to rewind the tape and see it. All right. So, um, but no, we're glad you're here. Okay. It's confession time. Who forgot your boxes? All right. So there's other people. Who said what boxes? Okay, there we go. Christmas boxes. Remember last year, what was the number last year? 320. I'm told right now we have about 200, and I'm assuming that I said God wanted you to give what he wants you to give. So I'm assuming there's probably 100 and some out there still. Okay? So, but make sure you still can bring them next week. Here's a little church trick. We tell you two weeks in advance because we know you're going to forget for the next three weeks. Okay? So um, make sure you bring those in, and we want to get them. Uh, remember a couple weeks ago we had Natalia from Russia who was here who shared... Um, shared what it was like to get something, and she said uh, she, had, she still didn't know what Silly Putty's for, um, but it's cool, and she was talking about having that little doll in there was something that was so special to her. So um, you can make a trip to the dollar store or somewhere, Walmart, wherever, and fill, fill those boxes, and we want to go ahead and get them out um, in the next couple weeks, okay? Um, a lot of different things that are going on here. First of all, let me just welcome anybody who's visiting. Uh, I joke around, but we're glad that you're here. Um, whether you're visiting online too, welcome. Uh, we, we just believe that God brought you here, not, not just by your own doing, but brought you here for a reason. And um, we're hoping that you'll just enjoy uh, the message and the worship everything day. And number one, our one rule is here, relax. Um, just kick back and enjoy what God has to bring to you. A um, couple other things that we have here. We have um, our Thanksgiving uh, Helping Hands food drive. Many of you or most of you may have received that in there um, for items for our Thanksgiving boxes. Uh, and so November 19th, that's next week, is Collection Day, right? Okay. Okay, so what? Okay, sign outs out there. Okay, so if you want to help out, um, here is when. When are you going to be at Walmart in Elkton? Saturday the 18th. Um, people coming out of Walmart are really gi- great at giving. It allows us to do uh, so many more. So if you want to help and be there, um, hopefully you got this insert that you can help out with that. We also have a sign-up if you want to help put those together. Are you, where are you putting them together at? That's right. So at the Paris Foundation is where they're going to put it together. Um, if you don't know where that is, right next to the pretzel factory in Elkton. Okay, everybody know where the pretzel factory is? Of course you do. All right, so, um, so I just want to let you know that. Um, all right, um, Haven's Helping Hands, you can see some other donations that are needed for the boxes, and you can have all those things. Um, okay, uh, stockings for soldiers. Where's Bob? Is Bob here today? No? Okay. So, Bob Hoffman, um, we're doing that. Today is Veterans Day. Hang in there. We always do something special on our Veterans Day, and we're going to do that again. But you can see the list of items for the stockings. Are the stockings here? Okay. Okay, so it has a list of items and things, stockings for soldiers. Stockings are out there. We want you to sign up so that we know um, people are, are connected, and we have that. If you're visiting today and you're like, oh, I knew, we don't care. It, it's great. It's a great way. We, we know that uh, the soldiers are, um, are really uh, connecting. And when do they have to be back? By December 4th? Okay, so the third would be a Sunday if you want to bring it back to church on Sunday. All right, and I know Crouch Funeral Home is really involved with that, so we want to be thankful for that. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to say this. Christmas pageant and rehearsal. 
uh, God with us will be on Sunday, December 17th during the church service. So we want you to invite your friends and family and watch the kids reenact the Christmas story. Um, song rehearsals will be in the uh, sanctuary right after church, November 19th. That's next week, the 26th, that next one, and the 13th. Full rehearsal will be on Saturday, December 9th from 10 to noon. Um, and you can read that other information. And lunch will be provided on Sunday the 10th. That's another one. Um, and you can have some other makeups and other kinds of things. They have inclement weather because we're hoping it's not going to snow, but who knows after going from 70 to 20, right? We don't know, okay? So that's, a lot, that's what your uh, book of cards is in your bulletin today. Um, and so you see the stocking for soldiers, uh, Thanksgiving box drive. I think that's pretty much all those individual things that are there, all right? Um, any other special announcements we need? Yes, Paris Foundation next week. Where's Mike? I know it's on. Do you have opportunities? Okay, how many opportunities? A few, okay. So a few opportunities for serving at Paris Foundation. If you've never done it, it's an awesome experience. Is a sign about in the Bell Cafe? Yes. Right out here in the Bell Cafe over here um, on your way out if you want to go. And you can connect us online if, you, uh, if you're not here, all right? Um, prayer requests. Teresa Musall, prayers for her dad, Carl Thomas, as he begins treatment for stage four lung cancer. Um, and just pray that it'll help with his pain and the symptoms he's experiencing. I know some of us here have known him for a lot of years, and so we want to lift him up in prayers. Also, prayers for the Hash family. Um, I know they contacted me and said they'd be missing. Their uncle, uh, Jerry, who was very involved in their lives growing up, is in the final stages of Alzheimer's, and hospice has been called. He's not eating um, or drinking, and so we want to lift them up. Also, lift up prayers for Sarah uh, Diener. Praise no cancer and lymph nodes. Um, did find in uterus and is facing another surgery, so we want to lift the family up there. Marie Ranieri, who's uh, a name that I know from way back. Uh, Marie, we want to lift up prayers for her. She's 97 years old with uh, kidney cancer, um, and it's metastasized to the bone, and she's having a good bit of pain. And everybody knows Marie. is She's like one of the sweetest people who ever walked the face of the earth. She really is. Um, and we also want to pray for Dorothy, um, who is your grandmother, right, who is also hospice is in, and and she, um, how old is she? 97. So um, some 97-year-olds who, have, uh, who are people of faith are really uh, getting ready to meet Jesus, and they're cool with that. But we want to pray for the families and others involved in that. We also want to um, lift up the Hildebrand family as Ray passed away this week. Um, and so we want to lift that family in your prayers ex- uh, um, uh, for that and other reasons, okay? Um, any, any other prayers that we need to lift up? Okay, any joys? Any birthdays? You will? Happy birthday, Chris. That's why Chris was going, here I am. He wants God to give him some presents, right, buddy? There we go. All right. Keith was what? 56. Good job, Keith. 34, Keith. Happy birthday, Keith. All right. Huh? On the Marine Corps birthday. They definitely did that. So. Um, we also recognize that we are celebrating Veterans Day. You can see that. And one of the things that we like to do as part of our tradition in church, something that always bothered me several years ago, um, there was a, kind of this movement throughout many of the denominations and churches where people began taking American flags and other kinds of stuff down. And I don't care what politics you agree with. God has blessed us so much by putting us in this country. Um, and so um, 
So one of the things, and, and the reason is because we have veterans, um, many who we celebrate in Memorial Day that have paid the ultimate price. But today is to honor those who served. And so what we like to do, we have a, little, we have a video that's going to play. It's going to play music that is going to be very familiar. And what we ask, if you were a veteran or if someone was in your family of a veteran of that branch of the service, please stand, okay? And just to honor, and we want to honor you, okay? Dana, here we go. Awesome, huh? 
So that's just great to see the many uh, lives that just touch people in here for our veterans. We hope that you have a, a uh, wonderful um, Veterans Day and that you are recognized for all your service. Thank you. And we thank God for you. All right. Okay. Let's go to, uh, to the Lord in prayer at this time, if we can. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we want to lift up so many things. We want to start off by just thanking you for all those veterans that paid the ultimate price um, that, that we recognize in uh, Memorial Day. But we also want to take time to recognize those who, um, who are now veterans that have uh, gave time and that they have come back into civilian life. And many, many uh, that we recognize over the years, God, that, that, um, that the, the, the situations of war don't leave many of them. We just ask for your healing to be upon their lives. We thank you for all their service and, and, and who they are in the lives um, that make us be in this great free country. And so, God, for all, all other prayer requests, we recognize that there are those who are dealing with cancer and are at the final stages of Alzheimer's or dealing with cancer or some other sickness. Um, God, we just pray that you'll just reach out and touch them where they are and bring your healing. For others who are just uh, experiencing loss, the death of a loved one or someone near to them, God, just, um, just help them see your hand in the midst of all things. And God, there are so many more of us who outwardly we don't see signs of struggle or pain. And yet, we're, we're dealing with those things every day. Whether it be physical ailments that are deep within or whether it be um, mental or emotional issues or whatever, whatever it may be, God. We know that you are a healing Jesus and you love each one of us so much. And so God, during the remainder of this time, in the sound of my voice... We just pray that you will just meet people where they are and bring your presence in a powerful, powerful way. So God, as we continue the rest of this uh, service today, we want to take time now to give back to you. Scripture says you love a cheerful giver, and we see that with the announcements that we had, with the Thanksgiving boxes, with, um, with Parish Foundation, with all kinds of things, with, with everything that we have here and everything that we are. And God, now we just take time to give back to you cheerfully and just uh, so that you can meet your ministry, not, not only here, but around the world. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. As you send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, multiply and use them to further your needs here and around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
have chosen me love has called my name and i've been born again into your family your blood flows through my veins and i'm no longer slave
Today's scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. The sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay, here we go. We are on um, one of these weeks. I forget what number it is now because it's, it's, it's a lot, right? Okay. Um, we're, we're working our way through crazy love if you're joining with us. Um, if you missed some of the messages, by all means, jump online, um, get the app, uh, buy the t-shirt, I don't know, um, and go ahead and get online, get caught up a little bit. We also still have some books if anybody needs some. Um, it's very easy reading. I know we've been, uh, we have several different groups. Um, everybody enjoying your small group? 
crazy love. Okay, good. I'm getting some things. This week, uh, last couple weeks, we were, ta- uh, we were talking about, sometimes I feel like I'm beating myself up a lot. We talked about uh, being lukewarm, the gospel according to lukewarm, and there's a lot of stuff there about what it is to be a, a, a lukewarm person, uh, and, you know, even not even a Christian, because those kind of things different correspond. Last week, we kind of talked about that we can't love Christ without having him give us the love to love him, that actually loving Christ, the knowledge of loving Christ is more than natural knowledge. So we need the Holy Spirit to give us knowledge so that we can know that we love Christ. Got that? Okay, good. I, don't, I still don't have it. All right. So, but this week, we're going to talk about your my obsession. And I'm not going to sing an emotion. I'm not going to do it. I want to, but I'm not going to. But how many of you um, have ever been obsessed with anything? Like, completely obsessed. like how many of you have been obsessed with like the TV show The Walking Dead? All right, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, I don't know. How many are, uh, have been obsessed with a sport? Anybody? Okay. Um, how many have been ex- uh, obsessed with your significant other? Raise your hand, guy. Okay, right? All right, there we go. All right, very good. There's some points. But there you go, right? We got a wave going here, okay? Um, how many have ever seen that show, My Strange Addiction? Okay. There are some real, I got to say, there are some really weird people on the planet Earth, all right? Um, I'm just going to share some with you that I was looking up. Um, There's a lady who's 45 years old who admits to being obsessed with drinking nearly two liters of human blood every day. She's been doing it for 30 years. It's okay. There's a 42-year-old Brazilian man who loves to smell dead bodies. He had to quit his job to feed his addiction. Yeah, I know. Oh, you're going to love this one. Remember that, that whole thing about lukewarm? Very out of my mind. Here you go. Um, Carrie loves drinking urine. She's consumed nearly 900 gallons of her own. I guess that's recycling. I don't know. So. But um, Lisa is addicted. It's not, is it you, Lisa? Addicted to licking her cat and eating cat hair. Um. Let's see. Nicole loves to pull out hunks of drywall and eat them. Her home has big holes in it, of course. Um, let's see. Uh, that one's a little too creepy. Um, a female named Jay is addicted to snorting baby powder at least 10 times a day. Um, Jade, Jade is completely normal. Um, she is addicted to eating and smelling toilet paper. She eats an entire roll a day. I would be so mad. You know how much toilet paper costs? You know, you always, I bet, you, she'd be a cheap date. You take her out to like Costco and get the big roll of toilet paper. I don't know. Um, all right. There's a guy, um, there's a guy who, dr- who eats glass. Um, Bertha, 23, drinks nail polish when she gets thirsty. Um, uh, mm, that's weird. Nathaniel's in love with his car, like, makes out with his car, like, really in love with his car. Um, uh, that's really creepy. Um, that there are people all around the world that are addicted to chewing ice cubes, um, tanning. Um, that's weird. Um, there are some people that are addicted to, it's actually called trichotillomania where they're addicted to pulling their hair. 
All right, and that's some of the normal ones, okay? So just to let you know, as I said before, people are weird, okay? Do you agree? All right. I remember there was one lady on that show one time that she was addicted to the foam in her, car, in her um, couch, and she would pull out pieces of foam and eat, eat the foam in her couch. How does that start one day? You're like, nothing in the house. I think I'll eat drywall. I mean, who does this? Okay. Anyway, so um, obsessions. I put in your bulletin there a definition of obsession. And it is to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. With something that you're so focused on, you don't know, you, you don't think about much else. Um, I want to share one thing with you that you may not know is God is obsessed with you. If, if they had strange obsession, God version, it would have you there. He's so obsessed with you and loves you. Matter of fact, in Psalm 139, which talks about, he knit me together, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It, it says this, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast are the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That there is an obsession that God has for you. But guess what? Do we return that? You know, we've been talking about how we fail, we fail, we fail. This week, I want to I just share what, is, what does it mean if God is my obsession? So I'm going to give you, there's several blanks there. So get your pens ready. We're going to fill in a lot. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach for 45 hours, I promise. Um, <coughs> but uh, I'm going to share with you just some things, some characteristics of an obsessed believer in Christ, okay? <laughs> That's what I got. I'm dealing with this cold thing like everybody else. Bear along. I'm going to cough a couple times. I'll drink a couple times. It's just water. You're okay. And there she goes. And there she is. All right. <clears throat> All right. Number one, people obsessed with Jesus live lives connected with the outcasts. Live lives connected with the outcasts. For much of my life, I got to say, I was raised in the church. I served in the church. I did all kinds of churchy things. I did some kind of unchurchy things, but that's another sermon for another time. Um, I did a lot of unchurchy things. But in, in those areas, I mean, I did good things. I was part of youth groups. We did fundraisers. I did love lows. Anybody remember love lows? Where you fill them with change, and then the coolest thing was to grab a hammer and bash it and get the change. Um, nobody remembers that? Who remembers that? Okay, there we go. I see that, a couple of those hands. We did those. I remember doing car washes for mission trips, all that kind of stuff. I did those things. Um, and then years after I was a pastor, a matter of fact, it was when I, we, we started this church, um, I went to a, a local conference that was sponsored. It was a church kind of planning conference, and a guy was there. His name, um, he was from Austin. His name was Brandon. And um, Brandon was a guy from Austin, and he began, and some of you who have been around um, for a long while in the church may remember this, and, and something that Brandon, I don't know what it was that he said or what he did, but I was kind of just like in a, in a mind of, of looking. And Brandon was sharing that he had been a pastor, assistant pastor of a really, really large church in Texas, like everything in Texas, right, right down to everything is big in Texas. And so they were, he was there, and he left, and he started another church, and it got really big, and he said one week he was standing in the back, of the church, and as he was looking, he said, we are no different than any other church. We're no different than any, any church. So after some wrestling around, he went ahead and told the people, hey, I'm going to step down as the pastor. And like, why? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? He said, I have no clue. I have no clue what I'm going to do. But he said, God just 
compelled him as he was in Austin seeing those who were poor to start a church. But it wasn't going to be a church. What he was going to do is just take a grill down and feed the homeless. And he started making burgers for the homeless and just started feeding them and feeding them. And before you know it, that became a group involvement. Before you know it, then it became a church. And now still today, every Sunday that has a fifth Sunday, they take off church and they do church in the community and serve. And every small group has to go ahead and do ministry to the poor and hungry. And they've, they've changed the dynamic of looking at church. Well, at that point, I started thinking, that would be cool. But something I realized in myself is I really didn't know many people in my life who were needy. I mean, really, really needy. Like, sure, I had the occasional person come and need this bill, that bill. But I really, really, in my life, did not know many poor, homeless, addicted. And more importantly, I didn't even care. I was fine with where I was. I think that week or the following week in the middle school I shared just kind of some of the wrestle I was going through. And, and, and God has continued to take that and put us together in where we, we make a difference. I, last year when we did, um, and I found some updated numbers, when we did Radical, I didn't know where it was going to go, but I know that I can no longer go back to not caring about the rest of the world. You see, God first changed my heart to the community where we could get involved and do ministries in the community. Rotating Shelter, Parish Foundation, other, the, the Thanksgiving turkeys, and other kinds of things. That we, we all caught that same vision and same heart. But then God expanded that to the world. Because I was pretty good with myself in recognizing that 4.3 billion people live on 250 or less a day in the world. That's over half the world. And I can't do anything with that anymore. I can't struggle and just ignore that number. And little did I know that in several months, almost a year later, that God was going to plop me, Jack, who never wanted to go on a mission trip in his life. I was good. I like America. I'm the person who said, God, don't ever call me to mission because I like cable TV. All right? And God put me there and gave me a heart for people who I met in really three or four days, who now I feel a connection with that I could never change. I could never go away from. You know, I thought I loved, and I thought I loved those people who weren't, But really, I was unsure and found out that in order to truly love, Jesus said, I have to live connected to those who are outcasts in society. In other words, I have to be a friend to all. Not just all the people who look like me, talk like me, act like me, and live life like me. One of the greatest things that have ever happened. So, In other words, I need, and Dana, you can see this, a friend to all. That I need to be a friend to all. One of the people that I found out, and one of the things that I found out is when we started to do the rotating shelter, when we started to do that ministry, and sadly there's been some changes that have existed in there, and it starts us to wonder what's going to happen with many people. But when we started to do that, I did overnight. How many have ever done rotating shelter overnight? Okay, it's an interesting experience, am I right? Sometimes you feel like you're babysitting, sometimes you're like, why am I here? And you're going through that. Through the process of the rotating shelter, and don't worry, I'm not going to take all the time on each one of these. Um, I met somebody named Reggie, Reginald Dance. Anybody know Reggie? Who remembers Reggie? And Reggie was cool because Reggie never wanted anything from you. Reggie just, his main concern was, how can I get somebody to bring me to church? And Reggie, you had to force him to do anything. I would take him to wherever. And he always would say, hey, when, when I get the money, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't know what was going on, but what I know is he loved the Lord. 
and he loved being part of his fellowship. And still today, every so often, I'll get a call from Reggie. It's been a while. I tried to call him uh, this week, and, and it, um, it didn't go there. But Reggie's a, an interesting guy. He touched my heart in a way that I don't think I could ever have touched anybody else. Because, see, I had a profile of who the unlovable were in society. And you know what I found out? That I was the unlovable one. That they were the lovable ones. All right? You see, in Luke chapter 6, look at what it says here. It says, and if you do good to those who are doing good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. As was read to us by Wes at the beginning of this, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. And they said, when did that happen? He said, hey, but when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to eat. Because when you do to the least of these, you also do to me. What we find out is those who are obsessed with Jesus live lives connected with the unlovable or the outcasts in our society. Number two, those who are obsessed with Jesus care more about obeying God than the status quo. In other words, they're crazy. Look at the person next to you and say, are you crazy? And then give them a really weird look and go, I am. Okay? All right, we're crazy. Christians do crazy things. I'm going to give a confession here. I am crazy. Let that sink in a little bit. I am crazy. I'm crazy in things that I do. I believe that obsessed believers are crazy. I remember I was a pastor in the United Methodist Church. I had a good job. I have five kids. All right, one was a a newborn. And I started talking. God placed on my heart, and he started putting this thing about starting a church. Now, just to let you know, I had a guaranteed salary. In the United Methodist Church, I had a guaranteed job. I had a guaranteed pension. I had, even if I was the worst pastor in the world, they would send me somewhere and unleash me on somebody. I had all that. They were even saying weird things like he could be a bishop one day. I thought, oh, God, help me, right? And help, the, help that uh, area. They were saying all this kind of stuff. And yet God did something in my heart my mind that said, Jack, you need to start a church back in your own hometown. I said, they know me, God. And he's like, yeah, I know. But you're going to, that's going to really show the greatness of God because they do know you. All right? And so I had, and you know what? When I started talking about that, the people that were most against it were church people. The district superintendent, who's now a bishop, looked across the table for me, and many of you have heard this, and said, what are you going to do if it fails? you got a family. What, and then I had other people that would say to me, this is, I had one person take me to lunch and sit and tell me, this is the dumbest career move you could ever make. 46-year-old Jack now would talk to 36-year-old Jack and say, are you stupid? Right? Because it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. It's crazy. But God loves people who are just crazy enough to do what he did. And I can thank Bill Sammons who sat down with me and said, hey, your faith is not in the denomination. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. And he's going to bring you through it. In Luke chapter 14, it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. 
And turning to them, he said, he did everything that was not church growth. He turned to them and said, if anyone wants to come after me and does not hate his father and his mother and his children and his brothers and sisters, even himself, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He says, you better hate everybody and you got to also die on a cross. That is not a way for church growth. Hey, everybody, here, if you hate all your family and you want the electric chair, follow me. That's stupid, isn't it? And he said, many people went away. But see, Jesus wasn't saying despise me. He was saying, you got to love me above all that stuff. He said to me at 35, Jack, do you love me and what we can do more than your pension, more than your salary, more than that security that you think you have? I want to see if you'll do that. And there were times, I'll tell you, there's been times in this journey I thought, what did I do? Can I go back? Because it's safer and it's easier in some ways. But I think God has done something pretty cool right now, don't you? Those who are obsessed with Jesus are crazy. Everybody say crazy. And they do what pleases God rather than the status quo. Next one. Those who are obsessed with God know that the sin of pride is always a battle. And they need to stay, here's the word, humble. They need to stay humble. I think it's really funny because um, Wayne, Wayne never fully knows where I'm going, but a lot of these things that I'm saying were in our songs today. And you'll hear that. And, and he, the Holy Spirit does that all the time. Um, we need to stay humble. You know, pride is subtle. Pride is subtle. Because many of us may like, when people say to us, we're like, probably not, no, 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 that's good. But before we know it, we start to go, man, I am good. Well, I I did that. You know, I remember I've met people in my life who, who serve and, and do some awesome things, and they're like, they stand up and say, you know, you guys, it would be great if you helped serve, because I serve, I do this, this, and that. I cook, I clean, I wash, I feed the poor, I get, do the, blah, 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 they do all this stuff. And I'm not bragging, but I, you know, I've done a lot. And let me tell you what this week is on, you guys need to get on with it, okay? You know, it's very subtle how it happens um, when people when people say that thing, one of the things I had to first learn, there was a, the older gentleman in the first church that I served. And every Sunday he'd come out, he'd say, you're doing a great job, Jack. Look at all these people here. And part of me said, yeah, I am, right, you know? But there was that other part of Jack that had to really know how to go like this. Bud Young, who used to go, go to this and say to me, and I had, to, I had to learn to just say and believe it. You know, it's not me. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. And, and I have lived by that in ministry all my life. It is all Jesus. You see, we in the United States love ce celebrities, don't we? We, we love celebrities. We also like to chop them down, don't we? We like to build people up to cut their legs out from them. And we've got to be careful that we don't believe our own hype in many ways. There have been several pastors over the years who have believed their own hype, and we've seen them cut down by their legs. You know, I can work, and I can work, and I work, but the m most thing is that I know that, that God is the one who works it all out. In James chapter 4, it says this, that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He says, submit to God and resist the devil. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Has anybody ever prayed for God to humble you? I caught myself praying for everybody today. Don't pray for that. Because if you want, God will do it. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will do what? Raise you up. 
That if we constantly humble ourselves, how do we fight against pride? Well, I believe that we need a focused prayer. We need focused prayer that before we say one word, this goes back to stop praying chapter. Before we pray, think of what it may be to walk into the throne room of God for the first time. And recognize that when we go into prayer, that, if that's what we're doing. We're walking into the throne room of God where there's angels saying, holy, holy, holy Lord. People on thrones standing up, bowing down, all that kind of stuff. All the glories of heaven are right there and the majesty of God. And before we pray, just taking in the majesty of God and the throne room of God that's there rather than everything else around us. Number four, those who are obsessed Don't consider service to be a burden, but a joy. So what we need here is servers. There are people who are servers. I got to say, in much of my life, I was not known as one who was really good at just jumping in and liked to do laborious work. I had what we call the spirit of sloth at times. Anybody with me? You know, I could burn some hours doing absolutely nothing. And... And it was fun. I mean, the time I I wasted in my life was incredible. Um, And, you know, I was good in that with church, too, at times, you know. I would always find the administrative job. And my my thing was, every job needs a supervisor. Here I am. I'm good at it. And I got to tell you, God started changing my life by putting people in my life who were just servants. Just people who always love to serve. They drove you nuts because all they'd want to do is serve. You know those people where you say, no, please stop. Please stop serving. You're making me feel guilty. And, you know, I mean, I was like, and I'm going to say this, I don't care. Um, But, you know, one of the things that, I I, I tell you, the the team that went to Haiti, you guys are workers, right? Um, You're not twerkers like me, but you're workers. Um, I I twerked in Haiti. Okay, Um, but... There was other groups that, are, that are go on mission trips at times. And one of the things you hear is like, I'm on my fifth mission trip. I'm on my seventh mission trip. I'm on my 25th mission trip. I'm on this mission trip. I'm on that mission trip. I did, I'm going to this mission trip next time. And they do nothing when they're there. They, they go to be served. And it's not about being served. The, the scripture says that Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve. So how can I stand out for Christ if I don't take on the role of servant? And work my rear end off in very hot weather to the point that my underwear had to be surgically removed. (laughs) It was painful, just to let you know. Uh, But you see, we like in our culture the flashiest, the smoothest, the coolest talker, the one that makes us feel good. And I got to tell you, sometimes serving doesn't feel good while you're doing it. But do it enough. I, you know, it tells us that for the joy let before him, before him, Christ took the cross, scorning the shame. He went like on, woo, cross today. Yeah, cross, I'm going to do it. Put my hands. He was in pain. He was in agony. And yet he did that because of the joy that it was going to bring through that suffering. And when we look at suffering, we can look at Mark chapter 10. It says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become a what? Servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Jesus flips all this around. In, uh, in Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count yourself, count others more significant than yourselves. 
You see, I've learned that I like to be a servant. What I don't like is being treated like a servant. And there's a fine line there. You know what I mean? Like, we can take advantage of people who give. All right? Like, when somebody expects me to do something, because I'm going to tell this, John will laugh at this. We are working our tails off, all right? I'm working and working, and there's this young guy here who looked like he was going to work, and I'm standing there, and we're working, and I took one little break for water, right, John? And John is mixing some stuff up, and he's taking a break, and this guy says to me, hey, Jack, where are you going? I said, I'm going over here. He goes, you know, it would be nice to get a little help here. And believe me, you know that whole thing with the lion's mouth shut in Daniel? God did the same thing with me. Because the things that were going through my head were not holy at all. I wanted to bury him in the foundation of that place. You're with me? All right? All kinds of anger and frustration are coming. And I'm serving Jesus with it. And I looked at him and I went, I'm going over here to take a break. Is that okay? And I walked on, and those things were still in my head. And I smiled. Did I smile as I did it, John? And then John pulled him over as he does and says, hey, buddy, you know, maybe some of those young guys can come over here and help as well instead of us old guys. So that does that to you. I don't mind being a servant. I just don't like feeling like, you, like people pull up and I'm at McDonald's. Can I take your order and drop everything I'm doing? That's not what it's about. If everybody's serving, then nobody has to feel like a servant. Because we're all serving. I believe this is one of the main problems in the body of Christ. We don't like serving. And we feel that we need to be served. Time in and time out. Matthew 5 says, 16 says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. May praise your Father in heaven. And hear me, I'm not, I'm not, I, I just want to tell you a little bit of where my head is going now because of the study and because of other things. It's like the other night, I, was, I had a, a, a couple-day conference in Baltimore, and um, it was great because Melissa had an opportunity to go down. And i got to tell you, over the years, God has just kind of changed my heart. And if you go down in the Inner Harbor, you have 50 billion people ask you for stuff. Anybody been there lately? You have a billion people ask you for stuff. And, and sometimes it's annoying. But we were going by this one area, steak, something, shake and, shake and, shake and bake, I don't know, whatever. Um, whatever. But something with shakes. What was it called? Shake Shack. That's what it is. Shake, shake Shack. Shake Shack? Okay, there we go. So we're going by there. And we're on our way. You know, Melissa and I get very little time to spend together. We're on our way. And this guy goes, hey, you know, and we're asked by 50 billion people. And this one guy goes, hey, you got, you got a little bit for a burger or something, you know. And I was like, and, it, you know, it was kind of like God, it was, I really, really felt like it was God saying, you better do it. And it was just like, yeah. And I stopped and I went in. Now, hear me, I'm not doing this pride thing, not at all, okay? I'm not. It's, I, I went in and, and he was like, can I just, uh, well, I said, what do you, get what you want. And he said, can I just have a burger? I said, get what you want. He said, can I have fries? I said, get what you want. Can I have two burgers and fries and a drink? I was like, yeah. And, and I just felt like God saying, don't you dare take the rest of that money. You give him more. Ask for change and give him more. And I just felt God doing that. And it was at a moment. And then I'm going down the road and somebody else is asking me for money. And I'm just reaching in. And it's like, I felt really good that I was giving money away. I had to stop because I wouldn't have had anything at the moment. But I, I just felt, I felt like God was doing something. And the guy, one guy, we're walking into a CVS. And the guy goes, hey, do you have 63 cents? I'm like, here, take $5. And, you know, I'm like, whoa, yeah. Who else can I give to? You know, I, I had this kind of feeling. And he goes, he goes I'm not going to use it for drugs, which means... 
He's going to use it for drugs. And I stopped and I said, and I said to him, and I stopped and I said, well, that's not from me. That's from Jesus, didn't I? Hoping that when he's going to buy the drugs, he says, Jesus says, nope, that's my money. <laughs> if he used it for heroin or whatever else, that's not what I intended it. That could have been Jesus. And he could have said, if you're looking at me the way I look, and by looking at him, I could tell he was an addict. You could tell. That's not what it's about. It's about that we are connected in a way to the Holy Spirit that we can serve people. I am blessed to be in a point in my life in the country that God can use me to impact people's lives. Next one. Number five. People who are obsessed with Jesus focus their lives on eternity rather than the here and now. We are sojourners. We are sojourners. That's a weird term. We don't use that every day. But it just means people pass and thrill. Okay? I just want, you know, I, I got to tell you, I love being alive. Anybody like being alive? It's cool. But there's a lot of junk in this life. And in the midst of this, we think too much about life here. We spend most of our time on life here thinking about life here about what is temporary in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you were moving in a week and you did nothing to pack up, and then when it was time to move, you're like, but I don't want that, I don't want the, the wall to look weird without a, a, a TV on it. But you're moving today. I, no, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not ready to leave this house. But you're moving. Yeah, but I'm not ready. And this is kind of how we approach this. We do great, and I, believe me, it's great to prepare for things in life, to have, um, you know, how many of you want to retire one day? I, I, yeah, I do too. I want to retire one day. I want, I want to, you know, wear Bermuda shorts and hand stickers out at Walmart. I want to do that. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'm passing through. If I live to a, we heard of two people who are 97 years old. I guarantee you have to talk to them. Yeah, they're, they're dealing with this, but I guarantee if they're believers in Christ, they know they've just been passing through for 97 years. My grandmother lived to almost 96, and she just passed through. That's a long time. That's a really, really, really long time. But no matter how long, if it was 200 years, we are all just passing through. I want to tell you something. Everybody who's been born is going to die. And in the grand scheme of all the universe, it is minute. And so we spend so much time thinking about what we're going to do with our remaining years here, whatever they may be, maybe never even getting a chance to enjoy that when we need to also keep our mind focused on heaven. Jesus said that he goes to prepare a place for us. And where I am, I will take you to where I will be. We get a mansion. I like, I, I'll go back to King James on that one. I like, I want a mansion. Don't you want a mansion? Basically, that your house is so big it's made up of mansions. That's cool. That's cool. You could be my neighbor. I'll take, I'll put on my sweater and change my shoes and sing, Won't You Be My Neighbor All Day? All right? In Colossians and also in Philippians, look at what it says here in Colossians. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Remember? Remember what the definition of obsession is? To have the mind excessively preoccupied? In other words, the saying right there, be obsessed with the things of heaven and above. And then it says in Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven, 
and we eagerly await the Savior's return from there. Anybody gone on vacation to another country or been somewhere on another country and you thought it was really cool? But when you get home, what do you say? Wow, I'm home. There's something about when you walk back through those gates and they say, welcome home, welcome back to the United States. You go, "Woo, I'm home. I can't wait till one day when I go ahead and my passport is the fact that I've been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And Peter says, welcome to heaven, welcome home. Welcome home. Go ahead. Have, have a good time, Jack. Oh, your third mansion on the right. You know? Set our minds on the thing. Because i got to tell you, if you set your mind on the stuff from here on earth, you will be depressed. You will be upset. It will, it will degrade you, and you will just say, enough. Number six. People obsessed with Jesus are defined by a committed, they're defined by a committed, settled, passionate love for Jesus. They're captivated, or this other term, engrossed, is what Francis Chan used. In Deuteronomy, it's also what is quoted many times in Mark chapter 12. And we've used this a lot of times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, or with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Continue on. What does that mean? For the original hearers of the word, the soul, the heart was the center and the emotional part of the beings of our being. Our soul is the traits, the qualities, our personality, and strength is physical, mental, and spiritual. In other words, you, with everything that you have, love God with everything that you have. Have that intimate relationship with him. Love him unconditionally. Be with him intently. Give him everything. Number seven, have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Be rooted. Be rooted. The average Christian spends 10 minutes a day with God. The average American Christian spends 10 days with God. The average American spends 8.8 hours sleeping, 3.6 hours working, um, 2.82 hours watching TV, 1.7 hours activities, 1.5 hours leisure activity, 1.17 eating and drinking, 0.78 on personal care, 0.74 on purchasing goods and services, 0.71 socializing and communicating, 0.54 0.54 caring and helping for household members. And there's many, many more that exist here. And yet we only spend 10 minutes a day with God. And when we do spend time with God, we often do it out of religious guilt or duty. And we do it half-hearted. Okay, God, I read a chapter in the Bible. Whew, thank God that's done. Oh, I did my duty. Check it off. All right. How many of you have ever had that religious guilt inflicted on you by somebody in your life? Go ahead, I'm, giving it to, I'm, I'm putting it on you now. Okay, um, but no. In Psalm 1, it tells us we want to be rooted. In Psalm 1, it tells us that those who, re, who meditate and rely on the word of God are like a tree planted near streams of water who does not wither. Don't you want, when the, when the world comes at you, don't you want to not wither? Don't you want to stand strong? John 17, 23. Here's the intimacy that Jesus had. Jesus said, Father, I pray for them that I am in them and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world may know that you sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. Number eight, an obsessed person with Jesus is honest 
and uncovered in their relationship. In other words, they're unguarded. They don't hide themselves. Anybody ever tried to hide something from somebody? And it comes out. In other words, we need to be open with God. There's a lot about me that you don't know. And there's a lot of times I make myself look a lot better than I really am. I do. All right? That when we, when we exist in life, you may see me. You have an opinion of me right now. If I went around the room, I'm not going to do it. We don't have time. If I said, I might make you write it down. One word that comes to mind when you see me. And I had you all write that down. You would have an opinion. I hope it's good. If not, I'll talk to Jesus about you. Um, but you may write it down. But as you write it down, I guarantee you that often that doesn't match up with who I, am, who I believe I am. I'd say that many times you think higher of me than I do of myself. I'll just be honest with that. And I'll say sometimes you're probably wrong. Sometimes I do that with God, too. I pray to God and try to make myself look better than God and try to put all these other kind of language in there when really he knows my heart and knows what I'm struggling with. And God knows that I do waste time. He knows that I I struggle with things. And yet, instead of spending time trying to cover it up, why not just go to him and live unguarded? In Psalm 51, one of the greatest things in Scripture from David, he says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. In other words, what David is saying is, You're right, God, I deserve everything I get. But he's being honest with God. You know, I spend some time with young people and people college age, and I can tell you what people want more than anything right now is something that's real. They don't want the fluff that the church has given for years. We don't want you to put on nice and then act like hell the rest of the week. I'd rather you act like hell on Sunday too. So I know that at least you're real in your mess. Rather than putting on different things, I'm not everybody's flavor of the month. And that's okay. I had to come to grips with that, with somebody who's in, naturally insecure in his own life. But that's okay because I'm who God created me to be. I've had people that have come to church before and say, I can't believe a pastor talk like that. I'm like, woo, yes, because that's what I am. Tell, tell God. He's the one that made me do it, right? I have people at school, when they find out I'm a pastor, they say, you're a pastor? I'm like, yes. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes, isn't it cool? You don't act like a pastor. I think, thank you. Because I know the social connotation to that. I sit around all day with a clerical collar and sing hymns and go, oh, right? That's not who I am. That's not who I ever will be. I am, I am Jack Cohen, who is a mess, who is a sinner saved by the grace of God. And he gave me a mouth, a big one. And I'm going to use it however he wants me to. Behave yourselves. I've heard people say, hey, there's hypocrites in church. I'm saying, yeah, me too. I'm one. Come on, join the rest of us. Because it's not about my hypocrisy. It's about my forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And if I, if I stop putting on this air that I've got to be something and start recognizing that I am a mess and it is only because of Jesus Christ that I too am not bound for the pits of hell, then we get the point of the gospel. And that's the love of Christ. Number nine. We're concerned with character more than comfort. Physical shape. 
So several years ago, I hired a trainer, got really good in shape. And, you know, I was like down to 187. I want to give you a hint. I ain't there now. <laughs> right? And God and I are going to talk about that new body in heaven. It better not have love handles or I'm ticked for eternity. All right? You knew who gave the name love handles? Somebody who had them. That's right. Um, but the thing is, why does my, when I am totally focused in on eating and working and out and doing all that stuff, I'm in that zone. I am obsessed with it to a point that the outcomes affect me in that positive way. They affect me in a way. And so when I am obsessed with my character and doing what is right with God, when I'm, when I'm obsessed with that in, in my life, I become more dedicated to him. And when I'm more dedicated to him, it's great. But once I start to eat a little bit of ice cream in my life, the love handles start to go, Boop, there they go. And it's in this kind of way. And it's because of ice cream. It's because of chocolate. It's because of all those things that taste so amazingly good, but are hell for you. And it affects my body body. When I start to not make myself committed to being the right person that I need to be, the godly person I need to be, then guess what's going to happen to the rest of my life? It's the same thing in my life. In Romans chapter 5, it says, not so, but we also glory in our sufferings. How many say, whoa, I'm suffering? Because it produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us because of the Holy Spirit. I have a choice in how I respond in situations about who I'm going to be. I may not have a choice about the situations that affect me in life, but I can have a choice in how I relate to how those situations come at me. I look around this room and I see faces of people who have dealt with tragic and horrific things. And in many of these cases, I'm thrilled to see that you showed the character of God in the midst of those and you went and did those things. When life gets painful, we're not going to be happy. But how I react is in the choice that I have. Number 10. I'm getting there. Hold on. We're faithful to Jesus no matter the cost. We're sacrificers. We're sacrificers. And I'm just going to give you the scripture lesson here. Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you when people hate you. How many, how many got somebody hate you? Blessed are you. All right. Um, blessed are you when they hate you and exclude you and insult you and reject your name because of your faith in Christ. Romans chapter 11 says, who has given to God that who has given to God that God should repay him. For from him, through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Number 11. And Keith, you guys can come up, you can kind of help out, get it, get it ready. All right? Um Number 11, and this is the last one, commit to kingdom. People who are obsessed with Jesus commit to kingdom rather than be consumed by comfort. They're risk takers. They're risk takers. How many of you like this? Francis Chan gives a great illustration in his book when he talks about, um, when he talks about uh, risk takers. That often when we pray... Hang in there. When we, often when we pray, when we're going on a trip, we say, God, please keep us safe and that nothing bad happens and yada, yada. And we do that. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But one of the questions is this. What if we just start to begin to pray is, God, just have us grow closer as a family and grow closer to you. And whatever happens, happens in the midst of this. You see, 
Many times, you ready? All right, many times, now you're paying attention, aren't you? Many times in life, we live like this, but we don't want to take another step. So what we do is this. God, I know it's bad out there. I don't want, I don't want anything bad to happen. Um, and, uh, okay. Um, God, I don't, I, the sun's out there, so I'm going to put my kids in burkas so they don't get sunburnt. Um, and God, um, we're going to wrap them in bubble wrap too, just in case they fall down. And we live life like this. And then as we get older, we, we start to get thicker and we go to God and we get to heaven in the throne room and go, Right? And just as in heaven, if I said, they said, Jack Cohen is now in the Olympics, and I go. (laughs) The judge is going to go, what? How do you make that? But we live our Christian life like this. Like, for instance, many of us may have got up today and said, wait a second, God. Wait a second. People went to church last week in Texas, and they never came home. I'm not going anymore. Many of us may have said, wait a second, God. There was a car accident that took somebody who I love, and I'm just never going to love again. I'm just going to stay here in the safety of my house. God, my marriage didn't work out, so it's not going to happen. Some of us may say, God, you know, I, I don't even know where to turn, so I'm just going to hold on. And when I die, I die, and I'm just going to hope that it works out for you. But God didn't create us to shimmy. God created us to walk, right? (laughs) Right? So why? Thank you, guys. See, I had to put trust in those two as well. You see, Romans 8, as I close with this today. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? For it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are made more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, listen to this verse, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. As horrific as that was last week. And believe me, we do everything we can here to make sure you are safe and your children are safe. We do that. But we are not so bound by safety and not bound by it that we don't, Trust God. Because guess what? For those who are believers, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And as I just read to you and told you, we are journeying through this place. I don't know when I'm going to die. I could die right now. We really kind of messed up the message a little bit, maybe for you, but it might be a good one for you. You say, finally, shut up. Um, But regardless of it, don't hold on to the balance beam in life. 
live life to the full in Christ Jesus and be obsessed with him with everything that you have. Amen? All right, come on, praise team. I just, um, before they begin the other song, please stand where you are. I want you, to, I want you to hear that chorus one more time. No longer a slave. Um, there are people who are paralyzed, paralyzed in their faith, paralyzed in their life. The pastor of the church in Texas said, we will not reopen. We will not reopen a church that people felt connected to. I understand that from an area. But I also understand God's greater than all this stuff. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Just bow your heads with me right now. Lord God, as we come to you today, we know that there's many people who are in some different areas. And, um, and God, right now, we just... Um, we just ask for your Holy Spirit's presence to come in here. Um, just go on with a regular song. Um, just at the end of this, God, we just ask that we go ahead and hear your presence in this closing song today. And God, fear is the Satan's greatest tool. So God, let us just remove all fear and doubt as we now bask in your presence. In this last song that we sing, the altar is open. And God, uh, just whoever you are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever whatever uh, pains and doubts people are dealing with, death and all kinds of other things, God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. So as we hear this last song about your glorious grace, let us open our hearts to you as the Stephen ministers are here to pray with you, to agree with you, and I'm here too. If somebody just needs to walk some help and standing on the balance beam of life, help them make it in Jesus' name. Your grace. 
perfect embrace. I am undeserving. You are high and worthy. All of my praise for this glorious grace. God, pour out your grace, glorious grace, that I would be held by your perfect embrace. I am undeserving, you are high and worthy, all of my praise for this glorious grace, all of my praise for this glorious grace. I need you now. So uh, this week, just uh, connect and see those areas where we can be more obsessed with Jesus. Just be obsessed with, with the one who matters to eternity. And when you're getting obsessed with something that's not going right or something that's just wrong in life, just go ahead and stop and say, what's this have to do with eternity? Just what, what does it have to do with eternity? Next week, right? You got it up here, Dana? Next week, I think. Drum roll. No. You have to guess. Is it there? Okay. All right, next week, we're going to talk about what now. Basically, what now? Okay, we're going we're gonna to wind it down. 
and say, there's some we're going to talk a little bit about how do you live like this and what now for me. We've done, spent all these weeks talking about it. But well, I'll tell you, that book, I can, I can put the book, I can grind it up and dump it in your cereal, and you can eat it, and it doesn't matter a hill of beans unless we apply one ounce of it about the love of Christ. All right? So may you experience the love of God throughout your, the world this week and in your own lives, and enjoy walking on that balance beam. Don't shimmy across. You'll get splinters in places that will hurt. All right? God bless. <laughs>